This is part two of a two-part conversation we had with our special guest, Denard Melton. In this episode, we talk about the Ravens' statement on racial injustice. We talk about the protest in the NBA and WNBA, Jacob Blake in the protest in Wisconsin, and just general uh, a discussion of what's going on in the country at this time. We talked about the team a little bit, right? We talked about Eric Acosta and the team uh, kind of doing their due diligence uh, a little bit more with Clowney and, and maybe other free agents. But speaking of the team, switching gears a little bit here, the Ravens released a pretty powerful statement uh, earlier this evening. And, you know, in light of the shooting of Jacob Blake, in light of the things going on in Wisconsin, you know, we saw reaction across sports right we saw nba teams basically shutting the playoffs down you know as they took a stand um to 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 show their solidarity uh in reaction to these things right we saw it happen in baseball we saw it happen uh even some nfl teams canceled practice you know uh the ravens practiced this morning but they said that they were gonna you know meet afterwards and, and, and come up with you know what they wanted to do so they put out this statement Two-page statement, or at least the way you can find it on Twitter. Go to Ravens, you know, account, and you'll see it out there. I like that they call for some very specific things, right? They talk about arresting the police officers responsible for killing Breonna Taylor. They talk about, uh, you know, arresting officers responsible for shooting Jacob Blake. They talk about uh, demanding that uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, you know, bring the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act to the Senate for the floor. They haven't even got that to the to the floor for a vote. Um, and then they talk about, you know, some, some other, uh, you know, training and, and police training and, and police reform sort of, sort of issues. Uh, but another thing that was really big to me, and I, I I'm going to, I'm going to start with you again, Denar, get your opinion on this, but this, this thing that was really big to me, you don't see a lot of organizations, sports or otherwise, even outside of sports, this line it is time to accept accountability, acknowledge the ramifications of slavery. And racial injustice. You don't see a lot of organizations even mention slavery or speak to slavery. So it's as important as the specific things that they're demanding, because I think it's important to be specific about change, you know, when you're demanding change. What do you want? Be specific. That also was really powerful to me. What do you think about that statement? Um, I, I was very much impressed by the statement. I thought they, uh, they hit every note they needed to hit. Um, it seems like to me that Bashadi has not only listened, but he's also cared about what his players, his coaches, his staff, everyone in that organization, and he also cares about the city. And I think that's one of the, I think that's the biggest thing. And I I coached one of his sons in high school. So I kind of was around the family a little bit. Um, But I know that Mr. Bashadi and his other businesses was very open-minded. And you can see in his businesses that the people care about not only their work, but they care about the company. They care about the business. And for him to take, I wouldn't say a chance, but 
he saw the hurt and the pain on his players' faces, and he had genuine empathy to the point like he couldn't stand by and not do anything anymore. And I think that's what's important going forward with the Wisconsin thing going on and everything that's going on in Washington and everything else that's going on around the country is that people need to show empathy and understand that not everybody's circumstances is the same. And everybody should be given the opportunity and the chance to have an equal right to everything. And have a team in the NFL do this and literally be the only team who's been out there doing this. I think is by far one of the coolest thing to be a part of. Yeah, I, I like you, was very impressed with it, very proud uh, as Ravens fan that they put it out and, and, and used the language that they used. And like you said, I, I think with Bashadi, you have a guy who, look, we, we've seen things all throughout the offseason, right, where – not, not necessarily from owners, but from players, and in some cases, even some high-profile players like Drew Brees, who've been around black athletes their entire lives, but don't appear to get what's going on, right? Have, have heard these things, have, have, have you know, been around it, but, but still come out and say things that um, really reveal that they don't truly understand what's going on. And I'm not saying that Bishotti, you know, can, can ever really truly understand what's going on, but like you said, he's listening, you know? And you can tell that by his words and by his actions. Like we knew Drew Brees, we knew Drew Brees wasn't listening, right? By what he said, that was obvious. Clearly, clearly. Now he's I mean, he, now he's come around. You, take, you take did that for what it's worth. You did see the Brian Urlacher comment. Oh, oh lordy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, Sh- I did. Uh, bye bye. Your your yeah. job at Fox is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and so and so that that that's the thing, right? You you can you can be around black people and black athletes and still not know what they're going through and not know, you know, what they're what they're trying to express to you. You're here, you're there, you're hearing it, but you're not listening, you know, and that's different. You know, hearing and listening, it's not the same thing. Um so I'm gonna go around the room. Karen, uh what'd you think about the statement? Yeah, when I saw the statement, uh, you know, it's been pressure on teams and, you know, big corporation companies and um, to speak out on these things. And, you know, nine times out of 10, you see uh, just a token statement from a team or for a company saying, you know, they are against this, they're against that. And, you know, majority of them that I see don't really hold much weight. Uh, This was not that. This was very specific. It was clear. It was thoughtful. It was unrelenting. It was empathetic. Like it was all those things. And I just came away from it, you know, incredibly impressed um, with the thoughtfulness um, that came with this. Um, It was, you know, very aggressive. And, you know, you guys, as you guys pointed out, 
they've been the only NFL team to really step out and like really attack this, you know, and and not hide behind things and you know just call it for what it is, you know, call it for the um, you know the racial injustice and you know the ramifications uh, of slavery that are still you know present today. So um, I thought it was obviously it starts at the top. It starts with Bashadi. I thought that clearly this is a man that who um, that is listening to his players. He's listening to his staff, um, and I think there was probably some some sort of um, kind of internal reflection um, by him in this time. Um, you know, when they put that video out, um, forget how many months ago that is now, but, you know, when they when they spoke about um, um, racial injustice, uh, I believe it was around um, the, the time of the George Floyd um, situation. Um, but I think his statement then and this statement now shows you the um, kind of progression. So I, I think in this time, he's probably done a lot more reflecting. He's done a lot more learning. And as strong as that statement was then, this is an even stronger statement now. So, you know, that's something that, to be um, impressed by when you have someone that's not of color um, be willing to do that kind of um reflection be willing to do that kind of uh listening and then to actually um take those thoughts and you know be willing to kind of put yourself out there because you know he he's putting the organization out there you know being as bold as he was with this statement and so clearly he's learned something from what's going on and learned something from his players and his staff and, you know, I, I just came away um, just really, really impressed with it. It is bold. It's bold on a lot of levels. And as much as we're seeing from corporate levels, right, you, when you turn on your TV now, right, whether it's Target, whatever, whatever corporation, you're seeing Black Lives Matter messages. As much as you see that, you know that there are some sponsors who didn't love it, right, mm -hmm. who, who were not in love with the boldness of that message. But he did it anyway. You know, he's a businessman, career businessman. He understands how these things work and the impacts that they have on your partners. Everybody don't want to be that bold. But it was more important to him to, to, to not mix words and, you know, to say what that statement says in support of his players and how they feel. So, um, Chris... Uh, let me let me get it to you now. What did you think about the statement? Yeah, so like like Kerry, when I saw um, that the Ravens put out a statement, I thought it was just going to be generic. But then when I read it, I was like, oh, okay, they they they're really saying something right here. This is not the cookie cutter, you know, statement that you see, you usually see professional teams put out. This is this is something that's going to get people on the other side really really upset, and I loved it. Because, you know, this isn't it, it's not about making both sides happy. It's about right and wrong. And what side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the right side? And, and you know, because this it's not a, it's, this isn't a, a discussion about opinions. It's not an opinion. Like this is something about 
people being treated unfairly. You know, that that's not an opinion. That's something that's going on. And all you have to do is just turn on your TV. All you have to do is just, if you're a person of color, just walk out the door every day. And, and you're going to feel it. You're going to see it. That things just aren't fair for you. Then you aren't being treated equally. So this isn't something that, it, it shouldn't be seen as a big gamble. It should be seen as the right thing to do. You know, and, and, and too many times we see people like we talked about, we talked to Matt, Matt Waldman last week. And, you know, I, I told him how I thought, you know, it was it was, you know, pretty courageous of him to because he's a, a man. He has his own business. You know, he, he doesn't have a boss and he has a product that he depends on people to buy. And he put himself out there that that'll probably, you know, cost him some some fans and, 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 you know, some some customers. And he didn't give a damn about it because he had something that he had to say and he felt strongly about. And, you know, there's there's a certain time point in time where you can't look at the bottom line or who you're going to upset and you have to do the right thing. And and I, I feel like the Ravens, they, you know, they handled this perfectly. And, and this, you know, the, the statement that they put out was just it was phenomenal. May I, may, may I add something to that? Yes, sir. Because you, sure. you said something earlier that kind of stuck to me, and and and, and you guys just kind of rounded it up. And that very, the, you know, the last couple of minutes here is, Bashadi, as a man to himself, has decided that money doesn't mean anything without happiness from other people. Mm. Yeah. And the guy who came on the radio, I mean, came on with you guys yesterday, oh, excuse me, last week, said the same thing. Yeah. You're starting to see that puncture in that kind of that wall of, we'll call it white suburbia, quote unquote, which is they vote with their purse. They vote with their wallet. Money means everything until it hits home. And it's finally starting to hit home with people slowly that you can have all the material things you want, all the money you want, all the power you want. But if no one likes you, you can't enjoy it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, yeah. I, I think if Fashadi has made the calculation, and as, as we've seen, it's been a good one, is my people mean something, and I need to give them everything humanly possible to make that possible. That, that, that point reminds me, this is a couple of years ago now, but... Uh, when Steve Jobs died, you know, former uh, owner of Apple, and he put out that recording from when he was in the hospital. And he talked about how all the money that he had made, right, one of the richest people, wealthiest people in the world, and could literally buy anything, literally. But the one thing he couldn't buy was his way out of that sickbed. And he looked back on his life and he thought about the time he spent making that money amassing that wealth and how he didn't spend that time with the people that were important to him because it was more important to make money 
at that time than it was to spend that time with the people that were close to him. And it wasn't until he knew that he was dying that that became crystal clear to him. Mm. That it was never about the money. It should have never been about the money. But, you know, it took that for it to kind of crystallize for him. And 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 I think to your point, Denar, Steve Bashadi is ahead of that game. He's not waiting till he's in that position. He's already recognizing that these are the things that matter. Money's great. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody sitting on this podcast saying they don't want money. True that. Big money. <laughs> 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 nobody's saying that. Uh, but, you know, we, we also realize that it, it's not the most important thing. You know, you need it. it. Definitely has its purpose, but it's not the most important thing. People are the most important thing, particularly the people you care about. So credit to Helm and the whole organization for doing that. Um, we're going to go around at least one more time, maybe more if you guys have more to say, but kind of piggybacking on that topic. Um, you know, we can kind of broaden out now and, and talk about what really kind of precipitated this latest round of responses from people. You know, Jacob Blake being shot seven times in the back of Wisconsin. And, you know, look, people, you guys have seen it. I know or read it or heard it. People are going to get into background, what's happened in the past, what what he might have been potentially doing in that moment. Look, I'm, I, it, it, that, people want to talk about that. OK, I mean, what? You know, it's whatever. But at at no point, you know, to me, is there a justification for shooting somebody seven times in the back? Right. This is where I'm at with it. Um, So you can look at that. You can look at the protests. You know, the kid, white kid from Illinois showing up with the AR-15, shooting people in the head and killing them. Um, You can look at what the NBA players did, which was powerful. I mean, we, we were talking about that yesterday as it was happening. Right. For those guys to to do that collectively, the WNBA to do it collectively, you know, for, for what teams are you know, doing in, in baseball and other sports. You know, we, we just hadn't seen it on that level before. So I'm just going to say this because I talked to Chris and Kerry a little bit about Denard and I know I made it sound like I was going to get like full both feet up on the soapbox. Um, but I'm just going to do one foot on the soapbox and then I'm going to step off because I, I really want to listen to what you guys have to say. Um, the thing that I always keep in my mind about all of these issues that to me is always the let this sink in moment. Right. People talk about that. Oh, let that sink in. This is the real let it sink in moment. People in this country. White people. Some of them in the same family literally fought a war, killed one another. Again, sometimes in the same family, brothers killing brothers for the right to own black people. Think about that. A war, not just any war, the bloodiest war, right? All the other wars combined didn't have as many casualties as the Civil War. All because of the right, legal right. This is supported by judicial system in legislation, to own black people. And for me, that's where it all starts, that mindset that I'm willing to fight my brother, another white person that looks like me, and kill him so I can own a black person and enslave him. That's where it all starts for me, that mindset. But anyway, Denard, floor is yours. Talk about any of these things. Take it wherever you want to take it.
You won't be with Nunard? He might be on mute or we might have lost him. No, I'm here. Okay. Sorry about that. You're good. So, thinking about this and, and the tragedies that have unfolded all this summer and all all spring, all summer, with the pandemic, with George Floyd, with Breonna Taylor, somebody please arrest somebody down there. Somebody say hello, something down there in Louisville. David Cameron, dude, you need to do something. I, I saw your, your, your wedding party. I'm a little worried about you. Come back home. It's okay. And you guys, when you look up the, the AG for Kentucky, you'll understand. <laughs> but, I'm, looking up, I'm looking him up right now. <laughs> do something. But you have this situation and you knew it was coming. Trump had fed it and fed it and fed it. And I, and, you know, I was, I was, I was talking to my wife today. I talked to my wife a week ago about this whole thing that eventually something like this was going to happen. One of these protests, somebody was going to get gunned down and you were going to see the real America. And you're going to see that from this point forward. Because there's no question, you cannot sit there and tell me that you couldn't tackle Mr. Blake, you couldn't have tripped Mr. Blake, you couldn't have pushed Mr. Blake, any of those those things, people have been like, okay, justified, he was walking away from it. But the fact that you decided to walk around with a gun out Mind you, the guy behind him looked like he was straight out of a kung fu movie, just holding a gun. My wife just said the second cop was the first cop or the second cop. Anyway, but just speaking on that, the guy walked around like a gun out, pointed at this guy and shot this man seven times in the back. And I was like, oh, OK. And then that same police department with the same sheriff who said something two years ago. Two years ago, he went on a soapbox talking about how. And I'm paraphrasing here how black people need to stop having babies 10, 15 at a time. And if they do, they need to be locked up in the same house. That's the same sheriff. Of that same town. So. Wow. For a white teenage kid. To sit there. We didn't even see the first person he gunned down. Because that's what started the whole thing. They tackle him. Well, excuse me. He trips. And he falls to the ground. And how does he pop up? He pops up like he is a military trained individual one knee gun on shoulder ready to go 360 degrees around him to protect himself that's what scares me about what's coming next yeah. 
that's powerful. That's powerful. And that that's that's a part that I don't know that maybe is being discussed um, enough is what is coming next, right? You're you're, you're seeing all of the protests, you're seeing all the action steps being taken, but now you, you, you're also seeing the reaction on the other side, right, um, to, to people trying to exercise their rights to protest and speak out uh, about these things. Uh, I'll go to you next, Carrie. Uh, again, this is just open floor. This is open run, open gym, anywhere you want to take this, so it's up to you. Yeah, so, you know, I'd be remiss if I first didn't give a huge shout out to the WNBA. Um, they get this right every time, every single time. They, I mean, they they don't miss. They get right to the heart of the matter. They do profound things. They make profound statements. Um, again, like I said, they get right to the heart of the matter uh, in these situations. And, and so um, I don't think they're applauded enough for their uh, on-court product or what they do off the court. So, you know, I want to make it my business to to make sure that they're highlighted. Um, so that was kind of first and foremost in my mind. Uh, then I started thinking about, you know, we were talking in the group chat as this whole thing was unfolding with the Milwaukee Bucks deciding to um, boycott the game and, you know, what um, happened thereafter. And I just thought um, about how big that was and how proud I was of those guys because you can say all these things and make all of these statements, but what are you willing to sacrifice? These are guys that are uber competitive guys that were there. All of them are there in the quest of a championship, you know, the, the pinnacle of their profession. They're willing to put that on hold to get some sort of change. And I thought that, you know, for as much credit as we give them, we could never give them enough. Uh, At the same time, it's still um, kind of disheartening because this is a majority black league. So, yes, on one hand, you love that these guys are making a statement, uh, you know, trying to force change. But at the same time, it's like, why should it be them to have to do this? It's clear what the issues are. It's clear that black people haven't been treated the same as, as white people for as long as we can remember. Why is it up to the marginalized group to fix it? You know, um, so that as much as I'm proud of those guys is it, disheartening that they are having to be the ones to to do these kind of things to, uh, you know, open eyes. Um, but I, I do feel like they are they're opening eyes. We'll see how many and we'll see, um, you know, what comes of this. But I, I think it was a powerful moment because it's one of those things where um it's kind of tough to really see true change um, until people empowered that aren't of color um, 
until their bottom lines are affected. So when you do things to, uh, you know, to put that in jeopardy in any kind of way, um, let's see what their reaction to that is. So, you know, I, I thought it was a, a good uh, step and I thought it was a powerful moment. And, and hopefully um, we see more from the, the, the people that are writing those those checks for these players. Uh, you know, it's, it's time for them to step to the forefront. Uh, it's time for them to um, to kind of hold up their end in the bargain as far as, uh, you know, making the, the necessary changes in this country so that we're a meritocracy where, where you know, everybody has a chance uh, to live this uh, American dream that we that we, we talk about. Yeah, man. And you you said it uh, before I come to you, Chris. Carrie, Carrie said it. That that that's the real language in this country. Right. It's not English. It's money. That's the universal language uh, that has always been spoken in this in this country. And I mean, we only have to look back. There's just been, we talk about this all the time, about how fast things are changing and how fast these stories are coming. I don't even remember how long ago it was. I don't even think it was that long ago. But all we got to do is look back to the whole thing with the team in Washington, right? Once them sponsors started to put that pressure on him, right. the name changed mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like that. <laughs> That's what it took, right? You had people, you know, Native Americans literally suing him, you know, protesting, demonstrating, suing him in court, doing all these other things, right? No change. For soon years. As, for years. As soon as that wallet gets tight, <laughs> just like that. So we know that that's the language, uh, particularly corporate America. Obviously, that's what they speak. That's what they recognize. But uh, OK, you got the court, Chris. It's up to you, man. You you can you can take it wherever you want. All right. Um, so, you know, with all the, the protesting going on um, in the sports world uh, with the WNBA, NBA, MLB, even the NHL, I saw was getting in on it. And. uh Something that's just it, it it really bothers me is fans attacking these guys, you know, whether it be social media or on TV. And it's like they're they're trying to tell these 20 something year old men and 30s, early 30 year old men how they should feel about the injustices that are going on in the world. Now, this is, you know, it it just it boggles my mind, like how a white person sitting at home could just say, hey, you're not going to change if you're not going to change anything by not playing a playoff game. Like that, that bothers me. It's like you you don't know that you these guys need time. They, They have to reflect. It's not just like, oh, this is another thing in the news. Let's just keep playing ball. It's like, no, man, like, like we hurt, like this is hurting us. You know, we need time to reflect and, and calculate our next move and, and think about what we can do collectively. And if you look at the things that, that are coming out of the NBA bubble, where, you know, they're putting together multi-million dollar foundations in order to help people in communities. It's like, these are the kind of positive things that they, you know, that they're trying to do. It's not just a Black Lives Matter on the back of a jersey. Like they they want to 
actually help people. They want to provide resources. They they want to be down in the trenches. Look at what Jalen Brown did from the Celtics. He drove like ten plus hours to go to a protest. And it's they're not just talking about it. It's not just a hashtag for them. This is literally life and death for them, for their families, for their friends. It's it's you know it's it's more than just you know a cute little thing to say online. You know it, it's real life, and I think that fans who watch players who mostly play that are black, I think they should just shut up and listen instead of telling people to shut up and dribble or shut up and play. Just shut up and listen to what these people are saying because you're the one that has these guys' pictures as your avatars. You're the one that's cheering these guys on, you know, when they win a game for your team. So when they want to talk about the real-life stuff, you should shut up and listen because they have something to say, too. It's Too many times people just think athletes are robots. And, no, these are real people that go through real things. Look at Anquan Bolden. He had his his cousin got shot by a cop. And his car, his cousin's car broke down and there was a misunderstanding there. And of course, the cop shot him and killed him. And it's, so what you trying to tell him to shut up and just keep playing like, no, man, like this stuff affects them, too. You know, and and I just think fans should just listen and just don't think you have all the answers. Like nobody has all the answers. There's not going to be one perfect solution. It's going to take everybody listening and everybody as a collective to change for the better. So just like back up off these athletes, man. Let them figure it out. Let them navigate through this because they're trying to figure it out and they're so young. And the public put so much pressure on them. And it seems like they put more pressure on them than they do the politicians. <laughs> so it's like, why not put that same pressure on the politicians that you're putting on Russell Westbrook? Or you're putting on LeBron James. Like, like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So just try to be better, man, and just try to listen. Listen to these folks because they got, they got something to say to them. And that, that to me, Chris, what you, what you hit on, that, that stems back to that mindset that I was questioning, right? What, what, what gives you the right to criticize a decision that somebody makes to try to express themselves? Right. About something that's happening, whether it's in protest, whether it's to raise awareness, you know, whether it's just them saying, look, I just don't feel like playing ball tonight because of what I saw. Right. What gives you the right to do that other than a mindset of superiority Mm -hmm. and that the person that you're talking about, you don't see them as human. So you can you can you can say things about them and criticize their decisions because you feel they're inferior to you and you don't see them as a human being. Yeah. You know? So to me, when people tell me like, Oh, why you keep talking about this stuff? This stuff happened, you know, hundreds of years ago. This this stuff is not, we need to look forward. We do need to look forward, but you got to understand you're not getting anywhere until you acknowledge why this is happening. And believe me, you and I, you guys know, uh, especially Chris and Karen, we've had these conversations uh, with people who don't look like us, but we're at least willing to to try to have some dialogue and talk about some of these things. Um, that 
you know, they don't always feel, you know, comfortable you know, asking some of the questions that they want to ask of us publicly because they know how it's going to be perceived. Right. Um, and, and, and maybe you never get to actually answering their question because they basically will be attacked um, for, for how they ask the question. But as I was telling somebody the other day, if you don't address, acknowledge, confront that mindset, you can do all the forward looking you want. You're not going anywhere. And you have to really look at yourself is what I told the dude. I said, you got to really look at yourself in the mirror and stop, stop saying, well, I'm not a racist. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't think like this. I don't talk like that. You got to really take an honest look at yourself and, and, and be completely honest. Don't worry about me. You lie to me if you want. I don't care. But you got to take an honest look at yourself and say, well, when I see a black person, do I think they're inferior to me? Just inherent, just because they're black. Do I think that they shouldn't be entitled to the same treatment that I'm entitled to, you know? And people, people, people have a real hard time, man, asking them questions of themselves and, and trying to be honest with themselves. Like I said, forget me, forget doing it with somebody else. Just do it with yourself, right? You got to start that work internally in yourself. And, you know, for me, that, that, that's the way forward. So people can tell me, and I'm sure they'll keep telling me, you know, you need to look forward you got to put that behind. I didn't own any slaves. I don't know why you got to look. It ain't going to change my mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's going to change look, my mind. How can you look forward when the things from the past are still very prevalent in society today? Because it's like the perfect example was last week. Because they, I, in order for me to get to work, I have to. Uh, passed by a police precinct, but they've had it closed off due to all the all the protests that are going on. So what I usually do is I just walk around the precinct just so I don't have to, you know, ever cross the barricade. But they do allow people to go through like single person. So this morning I was in a rush and I just I wanted to walk straight through because I was going to be late to work. So I go to walk straight through. Officer yells at me, tells me I can't pass by. I got to go around the block. I'm like. I don't even say anything. As he's talking, I just turn around and walk. I get a, I go all the way around the block. I'm on the other end of the block. And, of course, I see people walking out of the gate. And it's white people. And in my head, I'm just like, like, why does this guy have to be a dick? Like, you know, like I was having a bad, like, you know, I had bad news about my dog the night before. And it's like man, like, there's enough stuff going on. Like, why does this guy have to be a dick? And I, I, when I went around the block, I already knew I was going to see somebody coming out there that was white. I already knew it. Because I just know how it goes down, you know, whenever it's a white cop and, you know, minority. I already know how it's going to go down. And it's like, how do you want me to look forward when it, it's not even a, a big thing, but it's just like, this kind of stuff happens enough where it's, you know, it, it's just like, how the hell do you, do you want me to keep, to keep looking forward when simple stuff like this happens or, you know, worse things like that? Cause that's just on a very tiny, minute scale, but it's still something that shouldn't be happening, you know? And it, it's just, it, it's bothersome when people just say like, Oh, you know, you got to look forward. It's like, no, man, because they're not looking forward. They're still looking at me like I'm a piece of garbage. Yeah. 
And those are typically the same people who are saying, well, we, you know, we want real change, right? We don't just want slogans or we don't want to be stuck in the past. We want real change. Well, guess what? That change started with you. <laughs> it starts with that person. You got to look at yourself and do that hard internal work of, am I part of this problem? You know, and it's hard. It's hard for people to acknowledge that, man, because they don't see themselves that way. You know, I've had this conversation with a bunch of people and they 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 see themselves as liberal, open minded. You know, we, we don't we don't think these ways. We don't encourage our kids to think these ways. And some of them have recently, you know, reached out to me and said, man, I didn't even realize just how privileged I was. That's never thought about it. just the simplest thing that you and I could be in the exact same situation. And my treatment is far different than yours just because I'm like, and it, it you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that some of them are, are recognizing that and they're starting to do that internal work and starting to kind of look at themselves and think for themselves about, you know, how all these things maybe have manifested in their lives over years. Right. And, and what they can do to try to change it. But to me, that that is where the change starts. You say you won't change. That's where the change starts. It's got to start inside of people. You can change all the damn laws you want. You know, a law can't a law could possibly change somebody's behavior. We've seen it doesn't always. It could possibly change somebody's behavior, but it can't ever change somebody's heart. Yep. So that that's that's where it starts for me. It's got to start inside of people. Yeah, of course, you need laws. Of course, you need rules. We I'm, I'm not saying that you don't do those things. Of course, you need to do those things. But if you want this real change that everybody's saying they want to make real change, lasting change, it starts with people. So, see, I did end up getting both feet on the soapbox. <laughs> you know it was going to happen. You know I couldn't keep both of them. Put that one on. It was like stepping back and forth. And finally, just, man, put both of your feet up on that thing. <laughs> just, just, just be it, done. It's, it's so funny. He was, tell, he was telling the story about how he got forced to go walk around the block and everything. My wife and I went over to my mother-in-law's house today, and we live in Windsor Mill, and she lives in Catonsville. And it's, if you drive another three blocks, you're in the city line. Ask me how many cops my wife and I saw (laughs) today. (laughs) How many cop cars? I'm not talking like two or three. I saw personally nine. Damn. Jeez. And there wasn't anything going on. My wife said, I saw more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my wife said, basically, like, they mad. <laughs> I'm like, yep. And, and the next thing that came out of my mouth makes me, you know, it, it kind of hurts. But it's like, I got to be a little safer. Just yeah. a little extra. Yeah. Like, I got to make sure I turn my blinker on. Got to make sure my tag lights are on and functioning. Make sure that I come to a complete stop at stop signs. (laughs) Like, just those little things may turn into a big thing. Absolutely. You you can't you you can't slip in any way. Nope. Nope. Because anything Not can right be now. used. No, anything nope. can be used. And I was telling my wife, we speaking of our families and stuff. I was telling her the other day. I go out. Uh, Chris and Carrie know this. I've been trying to get my my fat buddy in shape. 
I get out and I go now. <laughs> a walk slash jog. It's very little jogging at 45. It's mostly walking. Uh, but I go out pretty early. I go out like six o'clock in the morning, try to get it in early, do four miles, um, do it three days a week. So when I go out, you know, it's 530, something like that. Everybody in my house is asleep. So I'm leaving my bedroom, walk down the hallway, walk past both the kids' rooms. And as I'm walking out of the house, I'm thinking, what if I don't come back? What if when I'm doing the most basic thing you can think of in life, going for a damn walk, and I jaywalk or something when I'm crossing the street, right? Or something, something like we are saying, some small little thing. And I get into some kind of situation with the police, and for whatever reason, it escalates, and I don't come back from that walk. So I'm thinking about that, and I tell her that when I come home, and she's like, listen, listen to what you said. Who thinks about dying when they go for a walk? That's where we at. And I'm not saying I'm not and I'm not saying that to like, you know, make me sound special or anything, because I think we all know people and, and maybe even some some of it in our families and friends. That's always been their reality. There ain't nothing new for them because of where they live. Anytime they step out their door, that's reality. So I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm special or unique in, in that kind of way. But just the fact that. You know, these are the kind of things where Denard just said, oh, I got to make sure, you know, my taillights are working. You know, all of these little things where, you know, other people just aren't thinking about these things in terms of their life. Right. They might. Oh, I might get a ticket. Anything about being killed for it. But we are. And then that's what and that's what we mean by by privilege is that it's a, this is going on in Denard's mind. But let's say if he has, you know, someone who who's white and in in the in the passenger seat with him he doesn't even know this is going on in in denard's mind because he never had to live through it he doesn't have that fear you know and and just this year a young man was killed jogging you know like come on like it's it's simple everyday things that that it's just you gotta second guess and just make sure you know you you on the straight and narrow and even if you're not you still at it's still in danger sometimes. Yeah, and Matt, and Matt talked about. It. We talked about Matt Wallman. Matt talked with us about that on the second episode that we did last week. So I'm not I'm not telling no tales out of school here. He said it on the podcast. Matt is a white guy, but he's married to a black woman, and he acknowledged how he just had no idea, right? Until you have to go out in public with a black person, and whether it was her or her family, and see how they're treated. And he talked about. Something simple like going in the stores and where he didn't go in with them. Right. He's behind them because he's, he's coming from the car or whatever. And they go in first and he comes in and he sees how they're getting treated, how people are following around, you know, people who work at the store, follow them around the store, you know, asking questions. Like, can I help you? You know, not not like the can I help you like to be customer service friendly, but like <laughs> to try to move you along, and get you <laughs> up out of the store. And then he comes up alongside of his wife. And, oh, oh, hey, can we show you this? Oh, hey, have you looked at this? Let's get this for you. Let's bring this over here. Totally change, right? And he, he just, he's, you know, how, you just have no idea until, and even then, he's like, I still, it's not the same. He wasn't claiming that that, that because he, he was able to see those things that he now understands, because he knows it's not the same. But he has a better understanding than a lot of people just because of that relationship and being able to see it as close as he's able to see it. It's not happening to him, so of course it's never going to be the same. But he has a perspective on it that is different because of that relationship. So, 
look, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't like to, to, to be too negative about these things. You know, I, I, I try to, I try to talk about them and acknowledge the parts that I feel like need to be acknowledged, but then also, you know, try to, try to keep, you know, some, some positivity to it and, and, and be optimistic about things. And, and even despite everything that we've talked about, I am optimistic about it because I do think people can change. I've seen people change in my own life. Um, and so I know what can happen. Um, you know, how long it takes us to get there. Do I see it in my lifetime? I don't know. I don't have the answer to any of that, but I am still hopeful about it, you know, but in these moments, you know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with taking time to feel those emotions. If you feel anger, if you feel hurt, you know, if you feel rage, whatever it is, take the time to feel all those things, you know. Um, but that you can you can both things can be true, right? You can you can give yourself the time to feel all those things and express those things, but still feel like there's hope. And sometimes people don't get that. You know, I, I, I posted some stuff the other day, man. You would think I was on a suicide watch. People was helping <laughs> me. And, you okay, man? And, it, and I appreciate it. I do. I mean, I shouldn't joke about that. I, I, I appreciate it uh, because it showed that people care, you know, enough to reach out to me and, and just make sure that there wasn't something deeper, you know, going on. But that that's another indication of where we are right now, where if you just try to, to, to speak openly, about the things that are going on and how they make you feel, you know, people, people think that, you know, you're in, you're, you're, you're in some sort of state of depression. And for some people, they are. Some of these things have caused people. I mean, Paul George talked about that, right? The anxiety and the depression. I mean, so for some people that is happening, that that's, that's one of the other things that is, you know, is coming out of all of this for some people. So I'm not trying to belittle that at all, but uh, I am still going to be optimistic about these things and I'm still going to be hopeful about them. I can, I can express the, the anger and the hurt and all of that, but still have that, that other, uh, you know, outlook as well. So that's all I got fellas. Uh, I'll kick it back out there. I just want no turns. We're not taking turns. Anybody else <laughs> who wants to say anything can other than that, we can wrap the show because, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off the soapbox. Yeah, I'm good, man. I got, I got it. I got it off my chest, uh, but I'm I'm good to go. If you guys got anything else to say, Carrie Howard, you guys I, good? I appreciate I appreciate you let me uh, come out here and talk sports, life, politics, oh, just no the doubt. world. No doubt. Thank, thanks for coming it. on, man. Thank you for coming on. You you were the, the first person I thought of when it came to to um, the Earl Thomas situation. Because he was saying about car washing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just have you looked I'm it up kidding. yet? Have you no, looked not, it up I'm yet? I'm not going to do it. I I'm not going to do it on this podcast. I'm going to wait till we're done. <laughs> and, and then I'm going to And, yes. I did look up the yes. Kentucky Attorney General, though. I did look, at, I did look him up. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and now you know why no one's been charged yet. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. I see, I see it. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I want to add to that. Well, let me let me get carry too for Did you add anything else? Um, yeah, one quick thing. I just want um, for people that are not of color uh, just to listen, uh, not be so pressed or um, you know focused on uh, trying to prove a point. Um, understand this is a hyperbole. When Mike says something like he's leaving the house to go for a walk and he's thinking about what if he doesn't come back. 
he's not saying this, you know, just, you know, just pulling out of out of his ass. There's there's things that have happened over his lifetime that he's seen personally that we've seen as a country that leads him to this point where he's questioning it. And, you know, everybody of color has had similar thoughts like that. And I think it's just important for people to understand that um, it's not an exaggeration. This is not something where we see things on the news and this outlier thing that, you know, now all of a sudden we want to relate to it. No, this is something that we've see, all seen close up in different um, times in our lives that lead us to, you know, be in fear. Uh, so just understand that. It, I think if you just understand that, it'll give you um, some perspective and, you know, the ability to you know, just stop and listen and, you know, n- not be so worried about, um, you know, being contrarian, proving a point and, and those kind of things. Just, you know, just just come at it with the opening, um, you know, listening kind of attitude. And it definitely I'll just say this. It, it definitely wasn't hyperbole. It was as real as real could get for me. And anybody who has a family, who has a wife, who has kids can understand this. It wasn't really even about me. And I sent that that tweet out after after that walk later that morning. I sent that tweet as you know, as I'm typing this. You know, I had tears in my eyes and that, and that was real. And the reason I was crying, it wasn't so much for me because I was worried about well, what if I don't come home? It was what if I don't get to see my wife again? What if I don't get to see my daughter and my son again? That's what brought those tears on. And I think anybody that has a family, has children and a wife understand how the fear of not seeing them again what that makes you feel. And so that's where I was coming from with that. So yeah, please believe me. It was not, you know, trying to, you know, do something and turn it into, you know, a symbol or something. Not that this is my legit thought was what if this is the last time I ever see my wife and kids again? So no, please, please believe it's real. Um, And we're not just making this stuff up to try to get attention or, or create something or whatever. It's, It's real. It's real. Um, so again, thanks to NAR. <laughs> this is a great way to end that, right? <laughs> thanks to NAR. After we talk about all of that, thanks for coming on. Um, but no, for real, thank you for coming on. And we, we definitely hope that we can get you back on during the season where we're actually able to talk football and talk about what the team is doing on the field. Um, but we're never going to shy away from these conversations. Chris and Kerry know that, you know, that too now, <laughs> just not what we're going to do on this podcast. And, um, I, I don't care, you know, whether people, you know what I mean? Whether people are like, oh, I don't want to listen to them because they're always talking about this real life shit. Well, then, then look, there's millions guess, of other podcasts what? out there. This is everyday life of a black man. Yeah, there's millions of other podcasts out there. So if this ain't for you, then it ain't for you. Nah. But we're going we're to keep doing what we do. So until next time, uh, it's Mike, to Chris, to Carrie, to Denard. We out. Black people, black people, black people.
Vivo. 